Hi, this is Dana Gould, and you're listening to the Walter Paisley Movie House. I stay here whenever he lets me. Welcome to the Walter Paisley Movie House, where we celebrate the little engines that could not. Coming to you from Nilbog Manor Studios, our music is by Jonathan Harmon, and I am your host, Dylan Rari. Today is part two with Jack Shoulder, director, editor, musician, and all-around raconteur. He talks a little bit more about being a first-time director, and we get into a lot of other things with movies he's made over time. Hey, he's a fun guy to talk to. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it. How much of it, of the confidence you have going into that is coming from, uh, well, not just being East Coast, but also that confidence of youth as you're going in there? Well, um, I wasn't nervous at all, you know, because um, mm-hmm. I I felt like I knew how to do it. You know, well, I'd also written, written scripts. So, so I'd already kind of made the movie in my head, you mm-hmm. know, and I made the movie on paper. Yeah. I had the entire movie shot listed out. So I figured out pretty much, you know, every shot that I was going to do, you know, not that I ended up doing everything on the shot list, but, but, you know, I had a, a, a clear plan. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the shot list is not just like, okay, there's a two shot of you and me, and then there's a close up of you and a close up of me. I mean, that's, yeah. So what mm-hmm. it's like, what's this scene about, you know? Uh, and then, and then, you know, where do I want to put the characters? Yeah. You know? Do I want to have you sitting across from the table or do I want to have you sitting next to me at the table? Do I want, you know, how do I, you know, all of these kind of questions come up. And then the final thing is the shot list. It's the end of the process of preparing, not, 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 not the beginning. So it forces you to think through the, you know, what each scene is about, why it's Mm -hmm. in the film. What, what's the point of this scene that I want to get across? What is the relationship between these characters that I want to get across? Um, you know, are you sitting and I'm standing? Mm-hmm. Uh, in a lot of cases, that could be that I'm the dominant one in the scene. But, you know, if you're the CEO and I'm asking for a job, then maybe the guy mm-hmm. who's standing is not the dominant. It's the one who who's able to sit, you know, while the yeah. other person has to stand. So all of those kinds of things fit in. Um, and... Um, I never felt like I was a leader of men. I mean, my my uh, producing partner on the garden party was one of those people, you know, who, who who could have led men into battle. You know, people just followed him. Yeah. You know, he he was that kind of personality. Mm-hmm. I never felt that I that I had that personality, and so like you know, how am I going to be in charge and and and, and get respect that i'm 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 also i'm I'm a little off the mark you know i'm 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 not the sort of person who would stand on the prow of 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 the ship and say you know left rudder you know i'm i'm uh i'm i'm uh, i'm kind of add and and you know so um Mm -hmm. uh i can lose focus sometimes and all the rest of that but i figured that i was the world's greatest expert on how to make this movie that I knew every single thing that there was to do about making this movie and I could answer any question and that that would be the source of whatever power I might have. Um, and, um, you know, and that, that's, that's kind of been 
the way it's 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 gone. I mean, you know, I could I could certainly say on my earlier films, I don't think people saw me as I mean they they see you as the leader because you're the director. So mm-hmm. everybody is everybody has to answer to you. There's a chain of command uh, that doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that they have to respect you. They have to <laughs> answer to you, and they have to do what what you say because right. that's the way it works. Um, you know, uh, but uh, you know, as as time went on, uh, and I got better at the job. And also better at at assuming that particular role myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I tended to get more respect. But um, I had I had to, the the reason that I sh- and I've shot listed every movie I've ever done before I've shot a frame of it. And part of that is so that I become the world's greatest expert on that script. That there that I know everything there is to know. I can answer any question. Yeah. Um, and I really understand in a deep way what it's all about. Uh, and, and so when you have that, it gives you a lot of confidence. Um, and uh, I mean, sometimes it almost feels like I'm not a religious person, but that there's this power from above that comes down and gives me the right answer. You know, hmm. there's this sense of, of that. I just know what's the right thing to do um, most of the time. Uh, and you know that's because I've done so much preparation. Yeah. That that when someone asks me a question about something that I never thought about, I just know the answer. That's you know? yeah. That kind of preparation can can really help, especially. I mean, anybody who's made a film knows how long a day can be, where it's you know you're setting up the shot and something goes wrong, and then something else goes wrong, and you're having to reset, and you're having to you know, a light blows. Well, we got to change that. And, it, and so as that time goes on, if you're not that prepared, then the whole day can be shot to hell. And so that kind yeah. of preparation can help so tremendously. Well, yeah. And, 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 and it also sort of gives you confidence that, that, you know, what, what you're doing. Like, I mean, with, with, with alone in the dark, you know, I was afraid I was going to walk on the set and I was going to have no idea what to do. So I had to figure it all out beforehand. So I could I could look at this piece of paper and say, okay, you stand over here, you come in over there, mm-hmm. and then you go over here and we'll put the camera here. And and I kind of had a plan that I could that I could turn to. And um on I think the second or third day, I think it was the second day, um, it was my first day with with Donald Pleasance, who I was in awe of. Yeah, I thought he was one of the great character actors in the world. Absolutely, and I was just thrilled to have him in this movie. And there's the scene where uh, um, uh, Dwight Schultz comes into his his office, and they have their, their 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 first meeting, and and you really get a sense of who this kind of eccentric psychiatrist is. And so I had this thing where uh, this guy he comes in, and 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 Pleasance is standing here, and then at some point he walks over to the window, and here and the other guy goes here and it was kind of like this kind of like uh you know doing the the cha-cha or something you know they were everybody's like moving around and each one i had to get and and we rehearsed it that 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 way you know and i was i don't like to tell the actor stand here and then move here on this line and do this on this you know i i i especially now you know i don't i don't really do that at all 
you know, I just kind of see where they go and then I mm-hmm. adjust. Uh, but Donald's, we, we rehearsed it a few times and, and after the second time, Donald said, you know, I always thought of this scene as, that I was like the caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland, that I would just sit in the middle of the room smoking a hookah and, and not move around. And I like freaked out because, you know, I, oh my God, he's throwing, that would throw everything out the window that mm-hmm. I've all planned out. And, and I'm not gonna know what, what to do. And then another part of my brain said, well, he's a, he's a really good actor and he probably knows more than I, well, he certainly knows more than I do. And he's probably got better ideas than I do. Plus, if he stays in one place, instead of having 20 shots, I, I can do it <laughs> in five <laughs> shots. So maybe this is a good idea. But because I had thought it all through so carefully, I could throw out my plan because I knew what the scene need, needed to be about. Mm-hmm. And then when he threw this other thing in, I, I said, well, yeah, that actually is a, is a much better idea at getting across who this guy is. So I was able to, to make the adjustment. That's very cool. And I, I was going to say being well-prepared probably helped a lot with that cast too, because you talk about an intimidating cast for a first time feature director uh, in Donald Pleasance, of course, Martin Landau, Jack Palance, who I, I read a great story you told about him being pissed because he'd just gotten Ripley's and you in a taxi cab with a bottle of bourbon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was, yeah. I, I had heard that he arrived. He was very angry because he was in the movie and he was very unpleasant. And Bob Shea, who, who, who always liked to kind of give me a hard time, told me they were walking down the street and someone recognized him and he thought Palance was going to punch the guy. And, uh, and, and I had a panic attack. I mean, he, you know, I, I don't know that that was what Bob's intention was, but I, I, right. I literally, I started panicking mm-hmm. and, and I bought a bottle of bourbon because I had to have dinner with Martin Landau. And, you know, I love to eat. I ordered consomme. <laughs> my entire dinner is consomme. <laughs> Soup and bourbon, that's all I need to get through. <laughs> and and then and then I got 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 you know back to my apartment. I was pretty exhausted, mm-hmm. you know, because I had been shooting the whole day. Then I had yeah. dinner with, with Martin Landau and Barbara Bade and then go back and you know get ready to get up at six o'clock in the morning. And I thought, how am I gonna deal with this? And and I, you know, I, I had another shot of bourbon i think and i said you know what i'm the director i'm the fucking director i'm the fucking director nobody's gonna push me around i'm the fuck i'm not gonna let this guy push me around i'm the fucking director and so i woke up the next morning and said, i'm the fucking director and and so you know when i when i met him i was prepared to not be intimidated yeah that, that i felt i was his equal that's and, and, gotta help and <laughs> And he gave me a pretty hard time. I mean, we 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 had we had two scenes to shoot: a walk and talk. It was mm-hmm. two pages long, and and the scene where he's supposed to kill somebody. And he and and he said he he couldn't do the walk and talk because nobody told him, and it was too much dialogue, and he couldn't. So he couldn't shoot that scene today. And and the scene at night where he's supposed to kill the guy and take his car, he didn't want to kill the guy because right. he didn't believe in violence. And so. <laughs> 
So that was where we started off. Yeah. And, you know, so I said, uh, okay, look, Jack, let's, let's not talk about the night. The scene with the walk and talk, we have to shoot it today. That's the only time we can shoot it. We don't have a choice. So we're mm-hmm. going to have to shoot it. I'll do whatever you want us to do to make it. We'll break it down into little pieces. We'll make cue cards. We'll do whatever you want. I'll, I'll make it the last thing we do in the day to give you more time to prepare. But we have to shoot the scene. Yeah, which was pretty good. I thought that I had the guts to, to kind of do that, and and uh, it was a long dolly shot. If you remember, it, it's a, it's a, the one where he says, "Doctor, we're none of us are crazy. We're just on vacation." Yeah, it's yeah. a re- really good little little speech that he gives, mm-hmm. and and so we we did it. He did it all in one take, and it was great. And then we. I said, well, let, let's just do it one more time. And we did it again, and it was at least as good. Mm-hmm. And, and that was it. And I said, I said, Jack, you were fantastic. That was absolutely fantastic. I mean, it was great. You know, he was brilliant. And he looked at me and said, ah, you're full of shit. And <laughs> he walked away. And that was his way of saying thank you. Right. You know? Yeah. And then after that, it, 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 it broke the ice. Yeah. Um, and then, and, and then later on, uh, we broke for dinner and, and I went back up to his, the room that he was in this great big room that they had given him in this mansion. We were shooting that. And I said, so let's, let's talk about tonight. And he said, well, I, I really don't want to kill the guy. And I said, well, Jack, uh, you know, I, I, I like to talk about stuff in terms of character, but it is in the script. If he kills yeah. him, he said, why, why do I have to kill the guy? And fortunately, you know, uh, the answer came to me. I said, well, we have to know that your character is capable of, of murder, of violence. And he looked at me with that face and he said, they'll know. <laughs> and he was right. You didn't, you didn't have to kill anybody. But I said, well, well, I said, well, actually, you're, you're, you're right, but somebody's got to kill him. And said, so we'll have the fat guy do it. So, <laughs> oh, <geez>. Okay. <laughs> So, hey, Erlen, you're going to kill the you're guy. You're going to kill the guy now, Erlen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I but know it was s- a great lesson because that's the way movies work. You don't, you, like, I mean, there was another, I mean, there was a line where they talk about how big and strong Erlen is. Well, you don't have to say he's big and strong. You look at him. He, you're right. <laughs> I mean, he was, I mean, he was big and you know he was a huge guy yes his, his hand was like a catcher's mitt you would shake hands and your hand would disappear in his a hand beautiful you know? voice he, just a beautiful singing voice oh uh, have Erlen, you heard him Erlen. sing yeah yeah he's he's sung in a few movies I, but you can also find him in operas i i went to see him in a performance of the 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 marriage of Figaro, where he played Figaro, wow, and he was great. I'm sure. I, I mean, he's kind of a genius. He went to MIT. Mm-hmm. I think he had like a genius Com- level, like computer I, programming I, or something. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he went to MIT. You know, he was a a a a, a really good opera an opera yeah. singer. We're, um, for our listeners, we're talking about Erlen van Leith. Um, who unfortunately passed away. Yeah, uh, very young age, very sad. Fairly young. 
Well, he was carrying. I mean, you know, he was he was carrying an awful lot of weight. Yeah, yeah. And and, and he was also um, he he told me they went to New York Athletic Club to work out. He basically went to every machine and just put the full stack on and lifted the whole stack <laughs> on on all the machines. He was. I think he was on the. He was like an alternate on the Olympic wrestling team. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. He was, he was, I mean, he was quite an amazing guy. And here he is, uh, you know, playing like a guy who's supposed to be simple minded, right? Which wasn't easy for him to do. I, he did that in a few films, and it was always interesting to watch knowing his backstory. I think in Stir Crazy, he kind of played the same type of character. And it, it's, yeah. you know, you're looking at him and he looks intimidating. And then you, you read about him and you're like, or watch him sing opera. And it's, it's yeah. amazing who he is. Yeah. I know you've said that Martin Landau ended up becoming kind of a mentor for you after you met him yes. on that film. And in, in what ways was he a mentor? Well, um, first of all, he was a very, very nice man. Mm -hmm. He would he would come on the set whenever he would come on the set. He always would walk up to me and like give me like a a, a fifteen second shoulder massage and he'd say, "How you doing, kiddo?" And you know, he he was kind of like like that and mm -hmm. uh, you know it wasn't the easiest film to work on you know we were shooting a lot of nights and uh, uh you know uh new line didn't want to pay a lot of money so everybody was sort of working like one level above what they were qualified to do for the most part it, you know it was <laughs> kind of like the children's crusade or something and um um you know things took longer than they would normally take and um he got frustrated a few times, but, but, uh, you know, basically he, he had a really good attitude and, and, um, and when I moved out to LA, I looked him up and, and he, he was also a, uh, an actor's actor. I mean, he, he, he was in the actor's studio with Lee Strasberg. And when they opened up the Los Angeles branch of the actor's studio, he was the guy in charge. He was a, he, he was an acting coach. I, I, I think he worked with Jack Nicholson and people like, like that, you know, I mean, he, he knew everything there was to know about acting. Yeah. yeah. And so I tapped into that. And, and in fact, after I did, did the hidden where I basically spent, you know, 35 or 40 days getting beaten up by, by Michael Norrie every day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I said to, to Marty, I, um, I really feel like I, I don't fully understand how to work with actors because I, I had never been in that situation before, you know, that I could talk to them and they would more or less do what I asked them to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he said, well, why don't you come and audit the actor's studio? And, and so I went there for about six months and that, that really was, was my education. Like Very cool. What you can and can't say to actors and how to, you know, when to call them on their bullshit. Yeah, and how to do it, and so on and so forth. So that was really um, enormous, and, and he was just—he was just just a lovely man, a really wonderful man. He's an incredible. I, just his his way of going into a character, his his choices in films, it, it's so seems so effortless, which you know it's not when it seems that way, but he manages to make it seem like that. Well, well, it is. Um, I mean, he was so good. Like, you know, you hear these stories about method actors, you know, that, 
um, I have to, I have to like, yeah. like, you know, like, you know, Dustin Hoffman running around and around trying Bullshit. to get out yeah. of breath. Uh, <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, Landau, uh, you know, I work with, 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 with Darren McGavin, who, who is also yeah. uh, an alum of, of, of the actor's studio. Great and actor. we were, we, uh, uh, in, in, uh, um, uh, by Dawn's early light, he, mm-hmm. He, he plays the president of, of the United States who uh, manages to, to survive a, a nuclear strike on Washington. And his, his, he's in a FEMA bunker and his legs are broken. And he's, he's trying to convince them that he's, that he's the president. And, and we were doing this scene that wasn't quite working. And so using my now uh, skills as, as, as an actress director. And, and, and so I said, um, Marty, just remember both your legs are broken. And he said, Oh, okay. Boom. Right there. You know, he didn't have to like, let me give me five minutes to think of, you yeah. know, it's just boom. Okay. Got it. Boom. Yeah. Uh, you know, Darren, Darren was, 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 uh, was similar, you know, like I wouldn't say to an actor, can you say that faster? You know, I would say, uh, you're late for a meeting or, you know, some, and, yeah. and you know, Darren would say, Oh, you want me to say the line faster? Right. I said, <laughs> well, yeah. And he said, well, just tell me that. And I'll figure out why, <laughs> why I want to say the line faster, I, you know, because they were so good at it. Yeah. <clears throat> that, that they didn't have to go through all the bullshit. They just yeah. had it at their, you know, at their disposal. Well, um, listeners are going to yell at me if I don't bring up Nightmare on Elm Street 2. I don't know that there's anything left to be said about the film. Um, it's I, I think it's been discussed ad nauseum. Uh, Scream Queen, go go watch that if you really want to learn about yes, the film. I highly detail. recommend it. It's a really good movie. Incredibly really good. good documentary. I'm working yes. hard on getting Mark on here, actually. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to see Mark over the weekend. I'm going to a, a convention. Oh, cool. Uh, in Gettysburg, PA. So I oh, will cool. tell him. Yeah, if you enjoy that, your time here, please pass it along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you you have really done your 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 homework. I must say, you're oh, very very thorough. So Thank uh, you. yeah, I will I will definitely tell him that he should talk to you. But yeah, he's he's got a fascinating story. Yeah, really interesting. Story. And Scream Queen is an incredible documentary. Yes. Uh, I the the question I do have about it is you're brought in. And you have six weeks before production. So you've got this pre-production period that's absurdly short compared to most movies, especially a movie like this, where you've got heavy effects, a lot of it's in camera, a lot of pyro, a lot of lighting cues that are crazy, um, just in, in a lot of action scenes, um, like the pool scene is just full of activity at all times. And so when you're, you've got six weeks to try and put all this together, I know you described it as a, a six-week-long panic attack, which I can I can see. What what is your process then in that short amount of time for putting it together? Is it just you know taking a bite off the elephant and that's how you eat it, or um, or what? How do you go into that? Well, um, yeah, it, I I I really felt like I had to climb Mount Everest. There was just so much to do. Um, there were you know like six you know, I don't know, a hundred or more special effects, none of which I knew how to do, or almost none of which I knew how to do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, first of all, 
um, I had the same director of photography who shot the original Elm Street, who I had actually wanted to hire to shoot Alone in the Dark, Shock Hadkin. He's a very, very experienced and very good DP. And, and he knew how to shoot a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And he was just very, very good. And I actually learned a lot from him. Like, I mean, you know, if I say that, you know, part of my film school was was watching all the revivals and, and you know, editing trailers and editing documentaries, that, that actually another part of my film school was learning from people that I worked with who, who knew yeah. more than I did. So so Jacques was very helpful and, and, and he was confidence building because um, I, I knew that he knew what to do. Um, uh, but um, basically it, it was like, I have to figure out how I'm going to shoot this movie, how I'm going to shoot, you know, make up a shot list for every single scene in the movie and go mm -hmm. through it. And basically that's what I did little, little by little. Um, I, I think there's a Japanese expression, step-by-step step, we climb Mount Fuji, you know, or another one is inch by inch, the job's a cinch. Mm -hmm. So you just go inch by inch. And um, so, so by the time the, the day that I walked on the set to shoot the first, the first day on Elm Street, I mean, like I've heard stories, even guys like John Frankenheimer and Marty Scorsese, you know, throw up before the first day. I, it, it was like stage fright. As soon as I walked on, I, I said, I know what I'm doing. I got good people working for me. Yeah. I, I got a good cast. I got all my, everything's, everything's been checked off on the list. Yeah. I'm ready to go. And, and, and I was full of confidence. That's but, great. And you but, had some, I, I, Oh, go ahead. Well, I mean, that's, that, that's basically how I did it. You know, there were, mm -hmm. you had to find all the locations had to figure out how to shoot the locations. I had a, a special effects guy who, who was like an old timer um uh, and he, kevin he, kevin yeager was on that too wasn't he well yeah i he, i i hired kevin yeager yeah you know kevin kevin was was just starting out at that point yeah and and, and i thought he was really talented and and i liked his stuff and so new line never liked uh the freddie makeup in in elm street one and so they wanted to hire somebody to to redo it and kevin kevin had studied fine arts he studied yeah. sculpture so rather than sculptor yeah rather than than coming from like a fangoria like you know mm -hmm. how much gore can we do you know he he uh, he came from a fine arts background and so you know freddie's fate so anyway so i had a lot of good people working for me yeah. you know and after after alone in the dark you know i had a much better much better group of people you know a bigger budget mm -hmm. Not a big budget, but but a bigger budget, and you know a, a schedule and people that I could really rely on. Well, we're gonna leave it there if, if for Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, honestly, there's endless amounts of media out there that you guys can watch or read about it. So, if, um, it, it, so, so we'll leave the the gay subtext for uh, like about fifty other interviews that I've yes, done. that that can be found answered the else. question. Yes. <laughs> um the hidden your next film uh it's easily one of my favorites of yours uh i, I remember when I, I of course i got fangoria as a kid and i when that one came out it was all over the pages 
And when I finally saw it, I was like, oh, this is a this is a cop movie. And it's it's a cop movie. There just happens to be an alien in it. Um, really, it's so much fun. And it's so just the pacing on it is amazing. And I think your editing really came into play there, your, your skill with editing. Without a doubt. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm an editor director. You know, if you look at, uh, you know, Ilya Kazan was a, was a actor director. Yeah. And, uh, you know, certain, certain directors are writer directors. Um, Ridley Scott is a, is a, is a art director director. You know? mm-hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm really an editor director. You know, um, you know, part of the reason that I do these shot lists is, is, is that I can kind of see all, all the pieces that I need you know, it's kind of like making a, you know, a chest of drawers, you know, figuring out like all the little pieces that you need and, and, you know, and, and, and how all the joints are going to be constructed and so on and so mm-hmm. forth before you start to make the thing. And, and so, you know, I, I, I can kind of see that. And um, I also, um, I do have a sense of pace. Uh, a lot of novice directors, um, Everything that you stand there and watch, when you watch it on a piece of film, it's like 20% slower than you thought it was. <laughs> so you got to keep things moving. Yeah. And, and I had a really good editor, an editor that he and I were, I mean, he was the guy who, uh, who said, uh, if you like take two and I like take three, I'd use take three. Fuck you, you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, he didn't say fuck you, but. Right. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> It's always there in the but, subtext. But but I really, you know, I, I had seen other stuff that he edited and I just liked he had a really good sense of, of rhythm mm-hmm. to his work that I that I liked. And uh, he actually also edited twelve oh one, which is another film that I think is extremely well edited. Yeah. It along really well. I know that one you you've mentioned several times that twelve oh one was the first movie where you really felt like you knew what you were doing on a set. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. True yeah and it, yeah i a, mean there's an awful lot going on when you're when you're directing it's 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 very very hard to stay focused on what's important which is telling the story yeah and that comes up a lot in every interview i've read with you um i don't think there's one where you don't use the phrase the director is a storyteller and that's your job is to be the storyteller and obviously with your background in english literature that's going to be the most important thing to you so as you are and, and it's where film is unique and why i love it so much it's different than theater it's different than reading it's that you're telling a story but you can tell it in images more so than just words so as you're making a film especially um well like the garden party it, it speaks to it more than anything else did that come naturally to you to back away from the the word and say well wait i can tell this without any words at all let's just do some imaging here actually no um (laughs) it's kind of interesting i i i I was actually thinking about this the other the other day which is that i've never really felt that i was that visual um that was kind i mean there were certain areas of the skills you need as a director that that I really felt I was deficient in and that I really needed to work on. You know, one of them was was just uh, having a, a good visual sense. I never felt I had a good visual sense. I could never draw. 
I, um, you know, I was very drawn to music. I was drawn to literature. I was never that drawn to art. Um, you know, I, I always went to museums and stuff, but it, mm -hmm. it, it, it never moved me in the way that other art forms did. Yeah. And so I really had to kind of um, work on that. And, and, and I think that um, what I was thinking about the other day was that I, um, there are different kinds of learners. You know, they're, they're visual learners, they're, they're uh, verbal learners, and mm -hmm. you know, they're sense, sense, sensual learners. Mm -hmm. that, um, and, and I'm a, I'm a, a verbal learner. Um, okay. You know, I'm a, I'm a verbal person. That's, that's, I don't see things in terms of, of, of images. I, I, I tend to see things in terms of words. So all of this is stuff that I've learned. I mean, what I've learned is that you, I mean, when I, when I edited Alone in the Dark, well, I mean, you know, I wasn't the editor, but right. as the director, you supervise the editing, you mm -hmm. know, every, every cut i'm i'm responsible for yeah uh you know hopefully you hire an editor that's going to do most of them the way you would have done them yourself if, if if not better but um when when you write a scene you you usually you write it it has a beginning a middle and an end and there's also a lot of information that the audience needs to know when you start to edit the film you find that a lot of the information that you think the audience needs to know, they, they know it. You don't have to tell them. It's there. You know, I don't have to tell you why they're here because when you watch the movie, they're there. So yeah. they're there. I don't have to explain how they got there. Mm -hmm. um, and also a lot of times, um, you don't need the beginning of the scene and you don't need the end of the scene. Well, usually, usually, usually you need the end, but but sometimes you don't need as much for the beginning. But when you write the scene, you kind of need to to write the beginning. But when you get into the editing room, maybe you don't need it. the 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 less that you have to say, the better, and the more that you can show through. Like, um, a lot of people would would think, you know, film students would who aren't that experienced would think whoever's talking is the more interesting person, you know? But mm -hmm. if I said, you know, that beard looks really stupid on you. Mm -hmm. Who do I want to be looking at at that point? Me or you? Right. I right. want to be looking at you yeah. to see how you're going to react to that. Right. So your reaction or, or if I'm talking about something that's, that's demeaning to you in, in some way that I don't know, but the audience knows. Right. Uh, we want to see you, not me, mm -hmm. you know? And so the reaction shot becomes more important than the dialogue shot. Yeah. Um, and so from editing, you kind of learn that the less people say, the better. As a, as a screenwriter friend of mine says, it, 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 dialogue should be like the CIA. It should be on a need-to-know basis. <laughs> and And... And very often the people at the studios or the networks, they want to explain everything. Yeah. Can't you add a line to explain that? Yeah. I said, first of all, probably already figured out. And second of all, uh, they don't need to know that. You know, and then yeah. an argument ensues. 
Right. The fact is that every person who watches a movie, there are a lot of movies where there's like, what the hell was going on there? But I enjoyed it. Or I'm t- I have to think about it. Mm-hmm. And that's good. If you have all of your questions answered at, at every moment, it's, it's less fun. It's less interesting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so it's something that I, that I learned, you know, from editing my own films that, that you just need less like exposition as little as possible. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I always like a script where, you know, there's a piece of exposition that I didn't know on page 90, you know, yeah. I'm learning something yeah. on, on page 90 rather than everybody telling me everything. Right. You know? Right. And it, you can tell, and it's kind of the mark of a poorly made film when it is being spoon fed to you as you're, as you're watching, it's, it's, you know, winking at the camera practically to let us know what's happening. Uh, yeah. There, there was a, there was a Joel Silver film. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but this this uh, this one character. I mean, he said he's basically like a muscle head, you know, mm-hmm. and and there's a scene where he talks about how he went to Harvard. It's like, come on, give me a break, you know. Like, well, this is supposed to make him a more interesting character. He's a knucklehead, right. but he also went to, to, to Harvard. You know, it's just like, just leave that out. You yeah, know, he is who he is. You know, it's, it's, it's like Palin said; they'll know, right? You know? you know, a good actor they carry that with them. Absolutely, a good actor can say, "I hate your guts," and you realize that they really love you. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, because people lie all the time. Absolutely, people don't say what they think all the time. Yeah. Otherwise, nobody would 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 uh, get along. Uh, gee, you're looking kind of fat today. I wonder what's going on. You don't say that. Oh, oh you look great. You know, there was. I, I remember a story with. Um, it was the the guy who goes by Lemony Snicket. He wrote the the series of right. unfortunate yeah. events books, and he was talking about being at a book signing, and a mother came up to him and she was very upset. She goes, "You imply in one of your books that sometimes it's okay to lie," and he says, "Of course it is." She goes, well, name an example. And he said in the interview, he goes, it was one of those moments where the perfect answer came. And I just looked her in the eyes and said, nice sweater. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and um, that's, and and that's what, like, you know, in a book, you would explain that. Right. Yeah. But in a movie, you can't explain it. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's there's uh, the, the the classic line you, you you could tell from her eyes that she was thinking of paris <laughs> you know it's it's in the script well how right you know <laughs> superimposed so, the eiffel tower over the iris well well i mean i mean you know what uh, what you could do is there's a little miniature eiffel tower and she glances over and you cut to the eiffel tower and you right. cut back there and she goes mm. <laughs> you know i mean that's that, that's a sort of classic way to show what right. someone's thinking about you know <laughs> but but i mean with 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 good actors they can they they they, they convey that there's something going on mm-hmm. um all the time I, I mean you know if you think of uh you know philip hoffman Mm-hmm. always something going on with him he's always i mean any any of the good actors i mean yeah. i would i've 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 been watching this 
John Adams thing with um, Giamatti. With uh, Giamatti. Yeah. Laura Linney. She's incredible. It's just there's always she doesn't. It's a it's a thankless role, but Mm -hmm. she's there's just something going on with her all the time. Yeah. Um, I. I went to a theater production of Desire Under the Elms. Oh, yeah. I think Circle in the Square or something. And uh, 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 what's her name? Wright. Uh, Teresa Wright. It was in Shadow of a Doubt, one of the great Hitchcock movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Teresa yeah. Wright. Yeah. Great, great actress. I mean, in, in, in Shadow of a Doubt, I mean, she played like a 15-year-old. She's probably 20 or mm-hmm. something. Wonderful actress. And and then she had a, like a, a supporting role. She was like aunt somebody. And she mostly she she was sitting sitting in a chair, not doing anything. And every now and then I'd look over at her and she was just there. You know, I mean, she could just be sitting there saying, when the fuck are they going to get to my lines? finally?" You know, but she's just she's just sitting there and she's completely engaged. She's yeah. acting, you know, I mean, acting in, in the best sense of the word. I mean, I, I mean, for me, it, there, there have been times when an actor or actress, I'll just say actor for male or female, mm-hmm. says something and I say, excuse me, what did you say? And I say, oh, I was actually saying a line from the script. Oh, oh I thought you were just talking, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's like the highest compliment that I can yeah. pay to somebody. That, you know, just, that just, just being that, able to be real. natural with that dialogue? yeah yeah and it there's there's a i think for the casual viewer it's not appreciated as much but anybody who's ever worked in film or or has acted watching somebody who can listen is it's a beautiful thing to watch that that not only can listen but can keep you engaged watching them listen right well it's 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 reacting Mm mm-hmm but I mean, you know, if you if you if you if you study acting, you know, one 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 of the things that they tell you in acting school is acting is listening. Mm-hmm. I was a I was a theater major. I'm sorry to say. Uh-huh. So yeah, I've been through all that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned earlier Don's early by Don's early light, which was an HBO production. Um, one of the the well, one of the many World War Three movies we had coming out around that time. Um, I don't, I mean, we can get into details on it if you like, it's another one. There's a lot out there on, but, um, I did hear you in an interview, uh, the interviewer asked you in connection with that film, if you were concerned about nuclear war. And at the time, I'm I'm not quite sure when the interview took place, but it was when the, the last 10 years or so, and you were, you were saying, Oh, you know, not really. And I wanted to see if your opinion on that has changed with the current world climate. Uh, no, no. I mean, I mean, there are other. Uh, I'm I'm very concerned about climate change. Yeah, I think you know anybody anybody who thinks that there's not climate change going on is doesn't have their eyes open. They're I mean, deeply in uh, denial. Un, un, unfortunately, it's 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 become a like almost everything these days it's mm-hmm. you know it's become a political issue like covid yeah. is now a political issue which, right which it shouldn't be but i mean um i i was in 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 europe for for three weeks um in july and you know record over 100 degrees in in in, in england 
Yeah. Uh, over, you know, over 100 degrees in the south of France, fires in the Loire Valley. Right. Catastrophic fires in America. I mean, all you have to do is look. Uh, so, you know, that's, uh, you know, pe- people ask me if, you know, if, if I'm scared, like if I find horror films scary. I mean, um, no, I, uh, you know, I, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm worried about getting sick and suffering. I'm worried about dying. That, that scares me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, climate change, I wouldn't say it scares me, but it certainly concerns me. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not afraid that the doorbell's going to ring. And I'm going to open the door and there's going to be a guy with a chainsaw there. You know, I, that right. doesn't really worry me. It's just <laughs> fantasy. So. Well, do you mind if I ask you a few questions about some of the people you've worked with? I just, if you've got stories. Uh, on sure. Them. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and uh, we're, 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 we're getting, getting close to your re- record. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, and, let's, and let's I don't want to bore your, no, your, not at your, all. Your, uh, your customers, but, but uh, I'll go ahead and, and I'll, I'll try to be succinct. That's, that's fine. Um, well, you worked with Norman Lloyd um, on a television version of The Omen. What are you, what was your experience with him? I love Norman Lloyd. Norman Lloyd, I made sure I had lunch with him every day because he oh, had great. more stories. I mean, he 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 was in the Mercury Theater with Orson Welles and Joseph Cotton. Worked he, with Chaplin and Keaton, and I mean, he was he was he used to play tennis with Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, he used to hang out with Bertolt Brecht uh, and and all of those you know expats in in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was good friends with Hitchcock. Um, I mean, he he was one of those guys that just knew everybody. Yeah. So by having lunch with him, I was I was basically two degrees removed from almost everybody who ever worked in Hollywood. And he he was a lovely man. And also um, uh, a couple of fun facts about my career. Um, I actually did did two movies with the number 12 in them. At 1201 and 12 days of terror yeah but i'm also uh, one of the things that i'm the most proud of is that i worked um hitchcock did a movie called sabotage mm-hmm. and norman lloyd was the villain and there's a scene which prefigures the mount rushmore scene in north by northwest that takes place on the torch of the statue of liberty yeah and norman lloyd is the villain and norman lloyd falls off the statue of liberty and mm-hmm. then i work with martin landau who falls off mount rushmore so right that's that's uh, <laughs> something that i'm very proud of that's a you know yeah. i didn't even make that connection until you just brought it up that's really funny <laughs> but uh, lo- lovely man i was thrilled to work with him and he was great in the movie how about uh, James Earl Jones? You worked with him a couple uh, of times. James, w- working with James Earl Jones was was a huge thrill. He was, I had seen him um, on on the stage, and of course, I'd seen him in many movies. I, I I consider I consider him to be one of the great American actors, and so uh, you know to be able to work with. Uh, somebody like that is, mm-hmm. is sort of like having um, you know a testarossa delivered to your front door and saying here go and drive this to work today you yeah. know? it's like <laughs> you 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 think i want to go around this corner and you you're around the corner yeah you know, when yeah. you're working with people of that caliber uh he was a very nice man 
he um, very modest. When I first met him, uh, I met him on the first day that he was going to work on by Dawn's Early Light, and he's fantastic in that. In that, he really movie, is. By the way, yes. he's really just tremendous. And, and I was in in such awe of him, and I said, um, uh, you know, is there anything that that I can do or that you like or that would be helpful to you? And he said, well. Sometimes I don't speak clearly. And if you could correct me, if I'm not speaking clearly, I'd really appreciate it. I said, what? When you? has he not spoken clearly <laughs> on film? I don't think it's happened. <laughs> and he said, and I also have a stutter. Mm -hmm. Famously, yeah. Famously. And I may ask you if I can change a word or two in the dialogue if I get stuck on it. Mm -hmm. And that was all he said. Um, wow. And, and I mean, basically, um, you know the the direction that you need to give him was stand here you know i mean that was it yeah. um the very at, at the very end of by dawn's early light he's he's about to sacrifice his plane and all the people in that plane right to bring down darren mcgavin who is about to really start world war three mm -hmm. they're going to crash into it and his last line which is the last well, it's actually not not the last line of the film, but uh, he's 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 talking to Landau, who's the president. He says, uh, "Do better next time." And so he he did it, and it wasn't quite right. And and I said, "Wasn't quite." I I don't know what it is. Let let's try it again. So so he did it again. And it wasn't quite right. So he said, "Well, well, how do you want me to do it? Give me a line read." I said. I can't give you a line wow. reading. You're, you're James Earl Jones. I'm not an actor. So he said, "All right, just keep a, just keep the camera rolling." So I said, "Okay." And he said, "Do better next time. Do better next time. Do better next." You know, and he he did like wow. ten versions of it. Wow. And that was it. Wow. You guys, I I can see you're getting getting ready to head out here, so we can wrap. Um, Oh, well, we, we can go another another five. Okay. Well, then I got to ask five. about uh, off that same film, Rip Torn, who's kind of uh, famously irascible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Rip. Rip is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and and I think he was also drunk. Um, he 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 came in and he was playing this uh, this kind of Jack D. Ripper character, you know, mm -hmm. yep. cut off the head of the Soviet chicken. Uh, and and he was playing it so broadly that it was like he was doing kabuki theater. <laughs> and and I thought, I gotta get him to stop doing that. So I can't just say, Rip, can you please stop doing that? Uh, so I I thought back on something that I had seen in the actor's studio, uh, where they were criticizing one of the actors. Mm -hmm. And so I said, Rip, I think. Your car and he was kind of like his jaw was like jutting out and his face was really stiff. And I said, I said, Rip, I think you're carrying a lot of tension in your jaw. And I think if you could relax your jaw, it might free up your performance. And there was like a beat. And he said, yeah, Lee used to say that. <laughs> Lee, Lee Strasberg. And I was okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it worked. You know, it was a, it was a gamble. Oh. Uh, but but uh a lot of actors i mean you can figure out what what they're like you know darren kind of gave me a hard time 
and mm-hmm. and I I gave him some shit. I I told him that I thought his acting sucked, and <laughs> and he got very upset. And then I told him how to make it better, and and I was right. And if, and he was calling me darling by the end of the day. But with with Rip, you couldn't do that because he was just nuts. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of. But but he was he was just good. Ask, he was just good ask Norman Mailer. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, but but he he's a great actor. I mean yeah, I mean I've seen incredible. him do stuff. He he did a thing where 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 he played Nixon, and and the the, the script yeah. was literally from the transcripts. Where if mm-hmm. you read the transcripts, they don't make any sense. And he did it. It, it was like Shakespeare. He was he was a fucking genius. Mm-hmm. He really was. Yeah. I and mean, just his work on Larry Sanders show alone is yeah. some of the best comedic timing you'll ever see. Oh yeah. He's he's a genius actor. So, um I would say, I know you have a dark sense of humor and I could talk to you for hours about dark films, but <laughs> it comes across so much in your work. Are you a fan of movies like um I, and movies that you don't see anymore, like Where's Papa and Doctor Strangelove, movies that that are dealing with life and death in a funny way. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I I I I do tend to find things very. I have a uh, an ironic view of life. It's getting actually as as I get older, less ironic, I would say, um, but. The craziness is starting to make sense. Well, or 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 just you get a little a little more serious about it, you know. But mm-hmm. but you know, I've I've always had an anarchic sort of sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I was uh, I was I was in 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 Florence with with my wife, and we uh, we went into a restaurant. And there was a table full of, I, I guess they uh, uh, they look like you know high school prep students or something. Uh, who were you know like like on a like a you know a, a one month thing in Florence mm-hmm. and they were sitting there eating and they had a couple bottles of wine and they were obviously having a great time and and I walked over and said I see you're drinking wine can I see your ID how old are you and the kids is like froze and my wife's like don't do that <laughs> and they kind of like they the kids is totally froze. <laughs> And they said, oh, I was just fucking with you. <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't help myself. It was just such a perfect setup, you know. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> well, I know we got to wrap. Um, what's coming up for you? Are you still working on the Carmilla adaptation? I uh, Well, I, I am, and I don't know if, if and where it's going. I'm actually doing a press conference, and this is like really – odd but there's this woman who uh british british woman british parents uh who uh her father was in the british army after independence decided to stay in calcutta for various reasons they 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 became destitute i mean destitute like her siblings dying in childhood having to beg for food having to sleep (laughs) under a staircase for six months uh and managed to sort of pull herself out of it and and she's written an autobiography uh and she's also by the way won won the mother Teresa award because she she's created a lot of charities to help people in in 
mainly Calcutta. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's trying to raise the money to do a movie about her life. And for some reason, she thinks I should direct it. So it's completely wow. I'm back to the garden party in a way. So That's pretty it'll, cool. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I've already directed a movie in India, a movie called Beeper. And it was quite an amazing experience, mm-hmm. uh, which when we do our next interview, I can spend a half hour talking about. That. Oh, I absolutely love it. That would be fantastic. But but uh, it was it was great. Uh, it was great talking to you. And, and no doubt we could we could keep going. Thanks. Uh, thanks. But... I appreciate your time. All right. Take care. Thanks. You too. Bye bye. Bye. That was Jack Shoulder. I really like him. Uh, what a smart guy he is. I really like his view on film and just literature overall. Just an incredibly intelligent man. Uh, you know, we got other stuff coming up. Next up will be Joe Castro, the special effects guru. He's got a lot to say, and it's all pretty cool. All right, get back out in the world. Take care of your servers, because we're the Walter Baisley Movie House, and we do not piss on hospitality. Till next time, kids.